0: Maximize Your Influence,
1: your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 65 of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here. With Kurt Mortensen kicking off the final R of resistance. And here we are today, locked and loaded. Kurt, what's the latest?
0: Feeling good. Winter's coming. That's what I do know. And the world of persuasion is more important than
1: ever. More? Well, you got to be able to afford Christmas. (laughs)
0: That's right. There's Christmas coming down the road. I've got a wedding in my future down the road. Taxes are always beating at the door. And so I guess the bottom line is everything you want in life is on the other side of persuasion. And even everything you don't want in life or things you don't want to pay for that you have to pay for, still on the other side of persuasion.
1: Persuasion is one of those things too, persuasion, sales skills, negotiation, all that stuff, that if you go out and you really retool and make yourself a lot better on it, you're probably not going to all of a sudden quadruple the amount of sales you get, but the thing that really makes a difference is it gives you that little bit of an edge a slight edge i think there is even a book called the slide edge but it gives you that slight edge because how much does the guy make who comes in second place in sales (laughs) nothing (laughs) so any little technique that you can add that gets you over that hump and gets you the deal even if it's a few extra deals a year depending on what kind of industry you're in it makes a huge difference so you know, good for you for taking the time to jump on the podcast to listen and try to get better. Cause it's it's like working out; it's something that you have to do every every single week, or you get rusty. I find myself getting rusty periodically too if I've let some of my techniques or the tools I use in this business uh, kind of atrophy a little.
0: Yeah, you're learning new ones, you're remolding old ones, and that was an interesting thing when I do seminars. You always get I'd say a third to a half the people eventually up and say. Oh, why didn't I learn this first? You know how much money I've lost? And these are entrepreneurs knowing that there's a direct correlation between their ability to influence and their income.
1: Yep, yep. In the business that I'm in, people tend to get stuck on the numbers and things like that, and those are important. But really, 90% of it at least is your ability to sit down and have an intelligent conversation with other human beings. Yeah,
0: it doesn't matter what your offer is or what your product is. If they don't like you and they don't trust you, they're not doing business.
1: With uh, you. That is correct, sir. That is correct. So we're gonna we're gonna keep plowing through our R's of resistance today. We've got a geeky article moment, and we also have a blunder coming up. So that's the agenda. Kurt, why don't you go ahead and cue up Mr. Urkel? Urkel, go! <laughs> Urkel. So I actually saw Urkel in the stands cheering for my favorite basketball team the other day.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you, you feel a connection of bond since we hear him almost every week?
1: I think so. Now, he's a lot <laughs> less geeky in real life. Uh, in fact, if the show that Urkel was on called Family Matters, and, and wow, we're just getting into the weeds here, but uh, <laughs> he had this alter eagle because his name was Steve Urkel, but he had this alter eagle named Stefan Urkel. Right. Oh, yeah. Because he okay. was this, he was a really nerdy guy and he could do these really great inventions. And so he wanted to be cool. So he made his cool invention where it, it would turn him into Stefan or Kelly. He was super smooth. The ladies loved him. So the one I saw in the audience was a lot more Stefan or Kelly than Steve Urkel.
0: Jake oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, anyway, <laughs> today's article, if you must know, is what motivates people to pursue these dream jobs? And we see this with the college students, they have this dream job, this dream future the Dream Corporation, and a lot of them will take jobs trying to get there. And it's interesting that the new research shows, and this is, as you know, probably you've already read it in your Journal of Basic and Applied Social Psychology. But anyway,
1: that that mm
0: -hmm. they needed a vivid and detailed picture in their mind for them to find the motivation to pursue their dream job. And they did study with these students and they showed them this fake program and they gave them a little bumps along the way. Well, you know about your GPA, you're not quite there. You know, there's some things that you need to do. And those that stuck to it, that really wanted it, that it was their dream job, they wanted to pursue this, it came back to they had a vivid mindset. They could see it, taste it, touch it, feel it in their mind. That made the biggest difference. And that's a huge thing for everyone, whether it be your personal motivation or motivating other people. If people can't see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, they don't see it in their mind, if they can't mentally picture it, whether it be in your personal life or what you're trying to motivate them to do, it's not going to happen.
1: I think that the, the opposite is true, Kurt, as well. Um, when I was in college, I wanted to be an attorney and you know, you were all stupid in college for, to, to some degree. <laughs> so there's a shot at you attorneys. You know, you just take it. I, I think attorneys are pretty good at taking jokes about themselves, but I read this book called law school confidential and it was about what is law school like? And, what are you in for as an attorney? And I read the book and I did not want to be an attorney anymore (laughs) because they have this vivid picture of what it's like. So it can go both ways there. The point is the mind gravitates towards the most vivid and clear picture because a confused mind says no.
0: That's right. They adjusted your picture. And that was one of the studies I've mentioned before with the inner city kids and go to college, go to college. They don't go to college until... You take them to a college and have a mirror student for the day. Now, when you tell them to go to college, they could see it, taste it, touch it, feel it. It was fun. It's exciting. Otherwise, they wouldn't go. But when they could see it, that's important. So if your prospect can't see themselves using your product or service, doing what you're asking them to do, it's not going to happen. The same thing's true for you. If you can't see yourself losing weight or becoming financially independent or
1: quitting your job, it's not going to happen. That's why people who, who want to lose weight or, or who want to get in shape it's so hard to get started, but the second you get on the scale and you're like, I'm down two pounds, right? People can get a lot more, more aggressive about it because they can see it's actually going to happen.
0: Exactly. And they can see the progress. They can see a little victory. And that makes a huge difference because if you get on the scale, and it's up two pounds every day, then it's a little tougher.
1: When I got into the real estate investment business, that's how I felt. I felt like I was driving around all over creation, getting rejected, getting slammed. Oh, this isn't going to happen. I talked to uh, my mentor. He said, yeah, I know. I know. That's how it feels. It's all going to change when somebody says yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And he was right. Somebody said yes, and I never looked back.
0: And that's all part of the process. So whether it's your dream job, motivating yourself, losing weight, making more money, it's all about creating that vision because the universe will not reward you physically until you can see it mentally.
1: There you go. There you go. Good stuff. Thank you for the geeky article moment. Again, I know you've totally geeked out. You're feeling great (laughs) about yourself. So we're going to get into our fourth R of resistance today. Kurt, quick review. What were the first three R's?
0: So we've talked about reason, creating that interest that need the want. We've talked about risk, you know, rocking the boat. Is it going to work? Resources, Time, energy, money, team, support. And today, just to keep with the R's, we're going to talk about rep or representative. That would be you. Not necessarily our listeners, but other people. Maybe they didn't like or they didn't trust you and they're not going to do business with you. And it's what I call the persuasion pitfall. If you go to that furniture store and somebody pushes a little too hard and you get that feeling inside like, and you leave saying, I'm just looking, come back later, talk to my spouse. And you never come back. And the pitfall is this. That salesperson never knows. The store owner never knows. The store, the sales manager never knows. You just never come back because somebody pushed a little too hard or the person didn't like them and they left.
1: How do we stop that from happening? You
0: can't.
1: Oh, bummer. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> there are a lot of ways to stop that from happening. And one of the laws of the persuasion, one of the 12 laws is the law of connectivity, creating that contagious cooperation where – Someone feels connected to or similar to you or comfortable around you, you're more likely to influence them. We like to be around with people that we like, that we feel comfortable with. And the people that rub you the wrong way, the people that just drive you nuts, the people that think they're funny, but they're not, those are the type of people that we don't want to do business with. We pretend to be nice. That person never knows. That's the pitfall. But we want to be around people that we like and that we can connect with.
1: Okay, so what are some of the other techniques as far as that rep? Because it's a total package.
0: It is a package, and uh, I guess,
1: do we have to be politically correct? No, we've never tried to do that. Go ahead and just <laughs> okay. let it fly.
0: Well, let me just tell you the studies. It's One of them is just how you look, your attraction. It's called the halo effect to where... How you look matters how people judge you. The better looking you are, not talking about drop dead gorgeous or handsome, but the better looking you are, the more people think that you are nicer, that you're more trustworthy. And the judicial system, the better in the judicial system, the uglier convicts get longer prison sentences than the better looking ones. In college, the better looking students get better grades for the same amount of work than the less attractive one, even though the professors would never admit it. In daycare, the more attractive kids get in less trouble for doing something that they weren't supposed to do. And even presidential elections. I think it's like 11 out of 13 times a better looking candidate usually wins. So there's something about our appearance. And I mean, for guys, facial hair, decrease your credibility. Weight, we've talked about, impacts your lifetime earnings. You shouldn't be over 20% your target weight. Grooming, hair, how it looks, hair in strange places, obviously, accessories, clothing, how you look is part of that package too. Do you look like you're supposed to look? Are you dressing up to play the part? Because people judge you on the clothes. You travel just as much as I do to where you know, in a hotel, if you're walking across that lobby in workout clothes versus a suit, you get com- two completely different reactions.
1: Does it ever benefit you? And I'm thinking about Colombo here to, <laughs> to not look the part. Does it give you like? Oh, absolutely. Yeah?
0: I mean, you talk a lot about real estate investing. You show up in the Beamer. And a $1,000 suit to that home that's only worth $50,000 working with blue-collar people, that might have a disconnect. That might be a time to come in your pickup truck and overalls, <laughs> right, to where you want to connect a little more. So it depends on the situation. Obviously, if you're CEO versus coming to talk to somebody on a farm or at a different property, you need to adjust. It's not always the same. You kind of need a mirror match. You may not want to match what they're dressing. You might be, want to be a couple notches up. So I'm going to say it's going to depend on the situation.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if I said it before, but one of the movies I really like is Runaway Jury. It's a John Grisham novel that they made into a movie. And Dustin Hoffman plays an attorney in the movie. And he has this kind of low-budget jury consultant that is helping him influence the jury and body language and how he talks and things. And Dustin Hoffman, during lunch one day, he has this big smear of mustard on his tie. And the consultant says, you have mustard on your tie. And he goes, yeah, I know. I put it there on purpose, right? Because he's got to look like one of the folks because the, the defense attorneys are these slick guys who came in from New York, you know, those, those suits that you're talking about. And when people are, you know, there, there's a difference between your heart surgeon walks in the room and if he had mustard on his tie,
0: <laughs> okay,
1: <laughs> that's a problem. But if, it, if it's more of a relating thing and got to get down home with the folks, then, then Looking the part doesn't necessarily mean looking super nice and and being decked out in the finest stuff.
0: That's correct. Depends on the situation. If you're visiting the CEO or the president versus someone that's more down to earth and you're trying to connect with somebody at a different level, it does matter. But how you look – But attraction deals with how you look, your physical appearance. It also deals with your clothes. It also deals with your personality. Some things we can fix, some things we can't. But that halo effect makes a big difference. And it goes back to that industry we talked about before, the old booth babes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And you've seen them before in Vegas. And and relax, guys. They're booth dudes too, right? (laughs) (laughs) But you go to those conventions in Vegas, and there's a beautiful-looking person outside the booth. They have no idea what's inside but it attracts more people to the booth.
1: That's a pretty sad commentary on humanity, <laughs> isn't it?
0: It is, but it's reality. You go to any car show, especially, they're the worst violators. Look
1: out. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that. I've exhibited at big financial shows and things like that, and you're right. its They might get mad at me, but it wouldn't be the first time because I, I kind of think that a lot of stereotyping exists because it's true. So you take that for what it's worth. <laughs> but I I you, you go to these and you're looking at this girl at this booth that is a company that you know does high speed high frequency trading for Wall Street firms or something and you're going she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> right? You're, that's that's not the case. But are there 50 guys at the booth all day every day? <laughs> of course there are.
0: That's how it works. So I get it. it's your appearance, it's your clothes It's your personality. In fact, I love what Mark Twain said, and this is important about clothes. He says, and of course, back then, he says, clothes make the man. We can put or woman here. And then he says, because naked people have little or no influence on society. So (laughs) (laughs) take that for what that's worth. But that's the first one is attraction. The second one that we could all work on is similarity. We like to be persuaded and influenced and connect with people that are like us. Our same opinions, lifestyle, backgrounds. And you've seen this before. You know, and you have your sports teams. When people like the same sports team as you, there's a there's a connection. People like the opposite, there's a disconnect. It could be politics, it could be religion, and you can find something in common with everybody you meet. Now, sometimes you have to stretch it. All right, we both breathe air, we're both human. Okay, but hopefully you can find something a little bit better than that. Find something in common. It could be a TV show a sports team, a college, but make sure it's something relevant. You don't go off and say, oh, really? You're a Gemini? I am a Gemini, too, if they don't care about astrology. And make sure it's something positive. You don't go to a family reunion and say, Fred, you're still alive. Good for you. I thought you'd be dead by now. And uh, that's not what we're looking for. So that's a simple one. If you could find something you have in common, from opinion to lifestyle to background to both being smokers to sports teams to TV shows to a place that you worked at, that instant commonality, that similarity makes a huge difference. Now, I'm not talking about the identical, because you know if people show up at a party with the same dress or same suit on, that there's a disconnect. But something in common goes a long way.
1: Now, you have mentioned a, a few times, too, though, that the people are taking the fish home. And that's a short – that's an expression for, you know, the guy at the office, the purchasing <laughs> manager – has a fish on the wall or a picture he's taken home because all the cheesy salespeople bring it up in an effort to connect and establish something in common. I met a guy the other day that told me that he used to have a boss that would put his grandpa's old golf club in the corner of his office where everybody (laughs) could see it. And the catch with this guy is he absolutely hated golf. He just did not like it at all. Oh, that's a setup right Uh, there. And he called that club his BS meter. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. (laughs) So you've got to have a sincere effort to connect. So if you hate people, you're in the wrong business, right?
0: If you hate people and if you're trying to talk about golf and you've never golfed and, and that's the thing. If there's this huge fish on the wall and you say, Hey, that's about a 100-pound marlin, and that color's based on this breed, and that's probably cut off the coast of Maui. If you know your things and just use a 40-pound test or a 50-pound test, right, if you know what you're talking about, there could be a connection there. But if you're just, like you said, that BS meter, you're just bringing it up. Oh, you're a golfer. Oh, you like the fish. Hey, you have a family. Then that, like you mentioned, that BS meter goes off, and... I love putting that golf club in there because then you know exactly if the person's sincere or just full of it.
1: Yep, yep. It's a good BS meter. Good BS meters. And anything else with rep that you want to go into?
0: People skills. We've talked about that before. And we know that 90% of all people rate their people skills above average. And this is one that we can all work on. And a Harvard study shows that two-thirds of the people downsized, fired from their jobs, are fired because their inability to work with people. And that's the honesty test for everyone. If you're the manager you have 10 people underneath you and one needs to be fired, And everything being equal, who do you fire? And if you're honest with yourself, you're going to say the one you don't like, right? I mean, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's so simple. And we can go into Dale Carnegie. We can go into some basic people skills. But when you really can connect with anybody, and it's easy to connect with people that have your same personality, but I'm talking about connecting with people that are different with you, really understanding how to do that. When you truly have people skills – and connect with people and get people to like you, the doors of influence swing wide open.
1: Well, good stuff, good stuff, because that whole people skills thing, and I've mentioned this on on the last episode, that's just really what this is. And when we're talking about connecting with people, that BS meter, the fish on the wall, and that stuff, I just think so much, more, more increasingly, people are starved for real value, and they're more concerned about their time than, than ever before as well, because it's just crammed. I mean, while we've been recording this podcast, you probably got 30 emails, right? So I think that when you can quickly establish some value and quickly establish that you're there to help in a sincere way, the funny thing is, is then they're going to talk to you about the golf, right? Mm -hmm. Then, then that stuff is going to come out. And not only did you prove, Hey, I'm valuable to you. But you like me too, because we both like this thing instead of that uh, shallow, the just, you know, make you want to take a shower, cheesy sales, sales guy stuff, you know?
0: And that's a huge shift. I think, well, actually I know in business, it used to be the gushy chit chat, get to know each other, but now we're so busy. It's like, okay, first of all, let's establish that you have a reason to be here and we have a reason to talk. And once you've established that in your credibility, then you can spend some time connecting. But if you launch with that, without them knowing that you have a reason to be there, there tends to be a disconnect. And we're talking simple things. You've heard it before, name. The MRI study shows that when you say someone's name, it actually triggers a pleasure center in their brain. Smile increases sales 20 to 40% in retail settings. Showing respect, eye contact. We can go down the list, but I just want to point out the big picture right here. No one, including myself, has arrived in their people skills. It's something we work on on a daily basis
1: yeah I think that establishing that value opens the window for you to get to these these other people skills that people try to put first now in an effort to connect. I don't know if you remember, but this is probably like seven or eight years ago. you and I were doing a seminar in Dallas teaching a group of network marketers about persuasion. And the guy who put the seminar on, he had invited a couple of other vendors to this seminar. And it quickly became apparent that we were going to capture most of the sales out of this room and that these vendors who were, uh, I, I was joking with one of the guys that worked with us at the time were, were parasites <laughs> and that they were going to get some scraps out of this deal. And one of these guys was just really angry, and he would not talk to us anytime we said something to him. He made some kind of a snide remark back. And I stopped by the table, and and I'm not tooting my horn because I did this by accident, okay? I stopped by the table, and I was talking to his associate about something, about their business model. And then I started talking about how we did it, and, you know, I found that blah, 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 and I I gave these recommendations. And this guy, he snapped out of it, and he looked at his assistant. He said, are you getting this? Are you getting this guy knows what he's talking about? And he was my best friend the rest of that event. In fact, I saw him at the airport. He doesn't even live in the same city. He was connecting in my city. And I'm just kind of walking, going to Bag Claim. He comes running out of nowhere, Steve, buddy, and he gives me a hug and oh, right. <laughs> I mean, we were best pals from then on out because I, I established my value. And he wanted to know about my family and this and that and the other. Where basically before that, you know, he did everything short of give me the middle finger. And it's because we establish value. You remember that story? Oh, yeah. Yeah?
0: He was your best friend. In fact, I think he stalked you for a while, but that's a whole (laughs) other story. Yeah. But there is that there's that connection. You went out of your way. And some people, when they have that competition, they're like going to hate you. They're going to hate you. But once they get to know you and see the value that you're not that threatening, that goes a long way in people skills, developing rapport, that connection that people make. It's just going out of the way, making it happen, being aware being less concerned about yourself, asking the right questions. Man, when people like you, it's amazing. And we've seen these multi-million dollar deals with companies. When I talked to the CEOs, I said, well, it's about the same product, about the same price. Why did you go with company B over company A? And the CEO says, well, uh,
1: I like them more.
0: <laughs> and sometimes, and I would even say most of the times, that is a fact.
1: Yeah, right. And we try to not offend people, but I'll just, I'll just kind of tell it like it is here. If you don't have the stones to record yourself, to videotape yourself, or have people listen to you and evaluate your presentation, you're just not going to be very successful in sales or persuasion. I mean, that's the, <laughs> that's the end of it,
0: right? It's not going to happen. It's a big humble pie for all of us. And yes, you do sound that way, but you always record yourself. <laughs> You do a videotape, that's reality, that's how you improve, and you get out of the land of denial. You
1: ha- Yeah, you have to look at yourself objectively to say, what are people seeing when they see me? I think I mentioned this once before, but I heard a, a woman who who does consulting for people on how they dress and their image, and in her seminars she says, okay, everybody, how many had their mother get them dressed today? And everybody <sighs> laughs, ha, 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 ha. She goes, okay, good, now that we've established that, look to your right and look to your left and just know that. Everybody chose on their own what they are wearing <laughs> today. <laughs> and it, uh, you start going, holy cow, look at those socks I'm wearing. Or what is, <laughs> that, what is this belt? I mean, it uh, you got to be able to look at yourself because that's, I think, other people objectively and maybe even a little more harshly if they're jealous are going to look at you. So you got to really get that together.
0: And I guarantee what you think you're doing right or wrong is very different than what you're doing
1: right or wrong. That's so, yeah, that's so true. We have these superstitions, these fears that, that we've learned. And, and really, oftentimes, if somebody's going to critique you, they're going to come out of left field with something that you never thought of. And the one thing that you were so concerned about, they didn't even notice.
0: And that one thing that if you can take it to heart and not get offended will increase your sales, your ability to influence by 10%, 20
1: 30%. Right, right. And you know what? I did not plan this awkward segue that I'm about to do, but I'm going to do it because I see an opportunity. We talked oh, to... go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we talked a couple of uh, episodes ago about universityofpersuasion.com. If you have not been to universityofpersuasion.com, what is your problem? You need to go there. We've got a various options, one of them being totally free, right? And then one of the options we have on there is a persuasion coach who is going to objectively look at your presentation and break it down for you. So if you're I've got nobody that can do that, or I don't want to ask anybody that I know, hello, go to university You can get access to all the podcast episodes and everything that Kurt and I have ever done and recorded and, and made. So it wasn't that obvious. It's all right say, there, and,
0: and it's not the sugar-coated version. We're not only going to critique you, but we're going to give you ways to fine-tune yourself and improve your presentation, whether it be over the phone or during a webinar or face-to-face. It's very valuable. It's actually going to be priceless to you to get another set of eyes and ears to take yourself and your presentation to the next level.
1: Yep, yep. You've got to do it. You've got to do it because you don't know that fourth hour of resistance being rep. You can't just say what it is. You've got to get somebody else's perspective. Kurt, anything okay. else you want to hit on with uh, that fourth R resistance?
0: Well, that's the main thing, the people, skills, and the are And you hit on the, on the head, even with professional athletes, they have their skills, they have their talents, but they need a coach. There's so many things to remember during an athletic event or during a presentation that you need someone else, a different set of eyes and ears to help you out, whether it's us or somebody else. You need to get another set of eyes and ears to help you out with your people skills, your ability to connect with people, because what you think you're doing right or wrong, again, is very different than what you're actually doing.
1: Yep, yep, there you go. So... We are gonna we're just about to wrap it up here. We're gonna do a blunder because I've got to go carve pumpkins with the family. We got Halloween oh, coming up, and good stuff. I'm gonna carve Tony Soprano into my pumpkin.
0: <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm into doing those really intricate ones. I kind of I'm kind of geek out about that. But uh, yeah, why don't we go ahead and cue up Homer? Homer, talk to us. <laughs> okay, so I became aware I was I was in a training last week and. I will keep this very generic (laughs) because I I need to. But any of you that are listening to the podcast, I'm sure that you've had the experience of you're working on a prospect, you want to persuade them, and they just go dark on you. They don't return your calls. They're not getting back to you. And you thought that you had a good conversation with them. And so somebody in this training that I was in presented this to the instructor. Well, what do you do when that happens? And he said, hey, well, we'll see if you've got what it takes to do this. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if you don't, but you know what you can do? You can call him and you can say, hey, Bob, this is Bill uh, 99-999, Give him your phone number. And then just say, are you upset with me? And then hang up. <laughs> it says the record is four minutes before one of my clients got a call back. And I, it was funny. Everybody was squirming in their chairs going, I just, I can't see it. <laughs> right. And I, I kind of thought to myself, if that's your only objective is to get the call back, I'm sure that this will be fine. I was kind of thinking we wanted a constructive call back. Is that not, am I wrong there?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you might get a call back and when they realize that you were just doing it to get the call back, you're going to hurt the long-term relationship. And then maybe if you have a an amiable type personality, they might be concerned about that. But if you're dealing with a diehard analytical or a really aggressive type personality, they're like, yeah, I am mad at you. And this is why <laughs> it could help or hurt. But that that's borderline cheese ball, as we'll call it, to where uh, I i just can't see it.
1: Yeah, I don't see it either. That's the only thing is the callback. But I think what you said, with an amiable personality or a people pleaser, uh, maybe, but for me, I, I've got that kind of more aggressive. I have some amiable in me too, but if somebody did that to me is, are you upset with me? I'd be like, I am now.
0: It's like, really? Yeah. I, you're using that old technique on me? Really? Were you born in the fifties? What's going on? That's where I would think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think everybody's going to react to it differently and most probably not, uh, not favorably. Some guy must have got into a network marketing company lately because I'm getting, this is probably twice a month, these messages from these weird numbers, right? And it it goes like this. Tell me if you got one of these yet. Hey, uh, I got that information you requested. The website is www.loseweightfast.com. I know you really wanted to know about that, but uh, (laughs) since we were discussing it the other day, it's... Uh, w lose dot fast.com. And you know, call me back, talk to you later. Right. And you're Oh, come on.
0: A little different spin on that. Oh, there's a problem with your account. Give us a call right away. We're like, wow, What account? Who are you? Right. I don't call them back, but it's a bad use of a closing skill. And it's a bad use of the Zagarni effect that we've talked about before. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I joked with you earlier. Well, if you want the call back, just call them and say, Hey, your wife's dead. Call me. I mean, <laughs> That'll get them to call as long as that's yeah, what we're doing. Yeah, you get the
0: call. You won't get any business, but hey, you got the phone Yeah,
1: they, You know what? If you can pay your mortgage with a f- phone that rings and not dollar bills, then more power to you.
0: There you go. All Make
1: right. it happen. Okay. Kurt, anything else you want to cover before we hang it up?
0: That's the main thing is remember how to build that rapport and those people skills. And I can't say it enough. You haven't arrived. You're not done. Sure, people like you are easy. But I'm saying go out to the mall. Go out to eat. Go out to strangers and try to connect with them. Do it in a situation where it's not stressful. Then it becomes part of you. Then it'll be natural in a negotiation and a sales or any type of influence situation.
1: Awesome, awesome. Everybody, thanks again for listening. www.maximizeyourinfluence.com is the website. You can subscribe to our podcast via iTunes, via the Windows Marketplace, or you can listen on Stitcher Radio. We look forward to having you on another episode. Kurt, thanks again. We'll catch you all next week. See you next week.